right. Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four. Uh, it is good to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, I was working on some of this in Kentucky. I was preaching in Kentucky this week and, uh, and, and I, I really wanted to do something to encourage all those new believers from last Sunday. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a lot of people that came and walked the aisle and trusted Christ as their savior. And that is a great thing. Say amen. And so I wanted to kind of follow up on that. I wanted to follow up on that and help them understand how important the church is to their life. I want you to read the, I want you to read the, uh, the title of the lesson. If you've got your notes there in front of you, uh, read that out loud, out loud, real loud. You ready? You ready? I need the church and the church needs me. Say it again. Listen, there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. There's no such thing. God never intended for uh, there to be a free agent when it comes to a redeemed child of God. There are no orphans in God's family. He expects them to be a part of a local body, a local family to be a part and to serve him. If you with me, say amen. Now let's look what he says. Paul is speaking to the Ephesians and he is telling them and instructing them all about the church and what the church will do for them and what God is expecting out of believers there. All right. In verse number 11, in verse number 11, from verse number one through verse number 10, he is talking about what Jesus did. We have, we are together. There's one body, one spirit, one baptism. We're all unified. We're all on the same page. We're all in the same family. We all have the same future. Say amen. amen. And then he says that Jesus supplied gifts to everyone. He supplied gifts to everyone. Now watch what he says in verse number 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till, in other words, there's an expected outcome. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more, what? Children. Children. Now, why would he say that? The Bible says when a person is born again, When they are born, just like birth, they are a babe in Christ. Say that with me. They are a babe. And they are, they are feeding on the milk of the word. But God doesn't want you to stay a baby. God wants you to grow up. God wants you to develop. God wants you to mature. God doesn't want you to stay a child. Why? Why is that so important? Because children are tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Here's the illustration. Children will just believe anything. All my kids thought I was Superman until they got into the first grade because that's what I told them. And they believed me. Are y'all with me? Children will believe anything and that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing. All right, now look what it says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may, what's those two words? Grow up up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. I like when he uses the word whole. That means everybody. Then every, that means everybody. And then every, that means Everybody, all right, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house. Thank you for faithful people who come out in the rain to feed on your word, to grow and to learn so they're no longer children, but they are mature, developed, seasoned soldiers of the cross. And God will praise you. Please help me. I believe I have what you want me to say, Lord, but I need your unction. I need the Holy Spirit to touch my heart, touch my mind. Lord, use the words that come out of my mouth. Don't let me say anything 
I shouldn't say. And don't let me forget anything I need to say. Lord, please use your word to edify your people today. In Jesus name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I need the church and the church needs me. Uh, here's a quote. Here's a quote. I'm not a fan of Rick Warren, but I like what he said right here. It says he created the church to meet your five deepest needs. He created the church so you would have a purpose to live for a people to live with principles to live by a profession to live out and power to live on. There is no other place on earth where you can find all five of these benefits in one place. But you find them in the church. Mary Neal said this. Churches provide a place of gathering for people who share common beliefs, support and encouragement for each other in faith. A place to find insight into the teaching about God's word. And they provide a time and a place where people can leave the world behind and focus only on their spiritual relationship with God in the church. Now, I read another one by D.L. Moody, uh, and he, he used the term, he used the term uh, radio sermon, uh, but most people would be online, you know, they don't come to church, but they watch church online. He said the difference between a radio sermon and being at church where you're supposed to be is the difference between calling your favorite girl and spending the evening with your favorite girl. I need a witness. And that's, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. The church was God's idea. The church was not man's idea. The church is not here and developed so we could fleece people. The church was the creation of the Savior. Matter of fact, he loves the church so much that he died for the church. On this rock, he told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Say amen. And the church is so important. The church is so we're living in a day where there's so much false teaching and so much false doctrine. And say, well, you don't need an organized church. Does that mean you need a disorganized church? Well, I don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. Tell me you don't read the Bible by saying you don't read the Bible. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Are y'all with me? You need the church and the church needs you. Now, watch this. Watch this. There, there, there's two verses that we'll use as a setup, as an introduction. First, number 11. Verse number 11. We see that God has given the church gifted leaders. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are these gifted leaders? These are people that God has placed in the church, in the body of Christ, that they are to accomplish something. What are they to accomplish? The second, verse 12. Verse 12. We see four, in other words, God gave us gifted leaders, verse 11, four, this is what they're to do, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, verse 12, verse 12 is the process. All right, we have gifted leaders in verse 11. Then we have a process that God expects to take place in the local church. All right, now what is that process? First of all, perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the word perfecting here means completing. It means maturing, developing. Some, some like to use the word equipping. So what, what is happening here? God has given the church gifted leaders so that they will equip the members. Does that make sense? God has given gifted leaders here so we can teach so we can train, so we can develop, so we can equip you, help you, mature you. Are y'all with me? So that, the second part of the process, and the work of the ministry. God gave his gifted leaders to develop his people so that they can accomplish the work of the ministry. Look at your neighbor and say, we got work to do. We got work to do. Yes, you have a job. You have a, you have a responsibility. You have something that God has commanded you. God has gifted you. God has, he has instructed you to accomplish in the body of Christ. So here we have gifted leaders equipping the saints. Then we have the saints 
doing the work of the ministry. Now look at the third part of that process. It says for the what? Everybody say it for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now here's what that means. When you have gifted leaders equipping, you have saints doing the work of the ministry they've been equipped for, then the body of Christ is edified. It is built up. It is strengthened. It is helping. Now, so you have maturing, ministering, and multiplying. If you want to use alliteration there, maturing, ministering, and multiplying. God wants his church to be strong. God wants his church to be growing. God wants his church to multiply. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, now, God gave us gifted leaders. God has given us willing, willing, submissive saints, willing to learn, willing to grow, willing to develop so they can accomplish the ministry that God has called them to. And here, this is what I want to preach on today. This is what I want to preach on today. In verse 11, we have gifted leaders. In verse 12, we have a process. What is the process? The, 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 the maturing of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the process God wants to take place here. And here is the outcome, the expected outcome that what God is wanting to happen. Why did God give you gifted leaders? Why does he want you to submit to them and learn and grow and develop? Listen, this is what he's expecting out of this deal. And so we'll give you, uh, I think, four quick things, four or five or four or five. There's five, isn't it? There we go. All right, but I'm going to go quick. I promise I'm going to go quick. All right. First of all, look in verse number 13, verse number 13. Uh, Say it with me. I need the church. I need to grow. I need to learn till, till this happens right here. First of all, 13 till we all come on now till we all come in the unity of the faith. Write this down. Number one, what's the expected outcome that God wants for you participating in the church, you being faithful to the church, you being involved in the church. God wants his people unified. Write that down. God wants his people unified. He wants us together and unified around the faith. Our faith is what brings us together. Our faith is the basis for our fellowship. We come together because we have faith in the Lord Jesus. We have faith that our sins are forgiven. We have faith. We believe that there is a home waiting on us in heaven according to the scriptures. Say amen. Amen. And he wants us to be together. Psalms 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? Unity. Unity. John 17, 20. Neither pray I for these alone. Jesus is fixing to leave this earth. He's going back to uh, his father and he is praying for his, his people. He's praying for his disciples and those that would believe on their message. He says, I don't pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That means you and me. That means you and me. All right. Now watch what he's praying for. That they all may be one. One. United, not divided. As thou father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Acts 4.32. And the multitude multitude of them that believe were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. They were unified. They were together. First Corinthians 1 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, that the Lord wants us to be unified. He wants us to be in agreement. A house divided cannot stand. Are y'all with me? 
We don't need to be, have factions in the church. We don't need divisions in the church. We need to be together. We need to be of one mind and one accord. I would encourage, I don't have time to go to all the verses, but if you'll go to the book of Acts and find out every time they was in one mind and one accord, great things happen. God touched them and God anointed them and God gave them power. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be in one mind and one accord. In other words, we need to be striving for the same goal. We need to be wanting the same thing. We need to be desiring the same outcome. Somebody say amen. Listen, churches fall apart. Churches are destroyed because you got a group over here that's wanting this. You got a group over here that's wanting that and a group over here that's wanting that. There's never been a church to to survive or accomplish the great commission who were divided in their purposes. Now, how do we get all on the same page? We have the same page. It's about what this is, not about what you want. Let me say that again. It's about what this is and not about what you want. You check your preferences at the door. Let me say it again. You check your preferences at the door. When we come through, we come through the door. We want what God wants. We want what his word teaches. We want to accomplish what his will is for our life. And we come together. He wants us unified. Listen, children, children are not unified. Immature people are not unified. How many of y'all know immature people want what they want? And usually they want what you have. Y'all seen kids, come on now, don't look at me that way. Y'all seen kids, you seen kids in the, in, listen, this kid can have 22 pl- toys. This kid has one, but this one wants that one, that one had. Mine. Come on, y'all with me? Mine. That's a bad thing when you get into churches, because I've seen so many churches of people in it the same way. Mine. It's my chair. My favorite song, my way. No, that dog ain't going to hunt. Say amen. Amen. We got to be together. And the only way we're going to find togetherness and unity is to be unified around the scriptures. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. The unity of the faith. I can, I can, I can, I can have unity with people, brother John, that I don't necessarily agree with on 100% of the things. I can, I can be in agreement with a brother and not like his style of music. Hello? Listen, it's centered on the gospel, the fellowship of the gospel. Church, say amen. So why, why, why do you need the church? Because God wants us to be together. God wants us unified. So I want to, I, I, what does what going to church have to do with being unified? How are you going to know what the church is doing if you don't show up? Well, I tell you what, I came to church. I came to church. I didn't even know what was going on because you ain't been here in three weeks. Three months, yeah. Come on. Anyway, that's good. Preach your preach on right there. Amen. Amen. I brought my own shout. Amen. I don't need yours. Number one. Number one. Why do I need the church and the church needs me? Because God wants his people Unified. Look at verse 13 again. What's, what, look right after that. Till we all come in the unity. Come on. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. God wants us unified. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Number two. You need the church because they're going to teach you who God is. God wants his people. Number two. God wants his people to know him. John 17, three, and this is life eternal that they might know, come on, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Second Peter one, verse one, Simon, Peter, a servant of the apostle and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace. Watch this. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what? How are you going to get grace and peace? Through the 
and of Wow. According to, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Second Peter three eighteen. but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory for both now and forever. Amen. Why does God want you to come to church? Because he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him in an intimate way. He wants you to know him. He wants you to grow in your knowledge of him. Why? Because the more you know about him, you're going to multiply grace and peace in your life. Now watch this. Watch this. Here's, a, here's an important thing. What is, the, what, is the, what is the number one commandment? The number, not the commission, the commandment. What's the number one commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. Right? That's the number one. Our love for God is priority. Our love for God is priority. Can we all agree on that? That the, the number one thing we can do in life, the very most important thing that we have, the greatest responsibility we have in life is to love God. Now watch this. How is that going to happen? We find in the New Testament that the Bible says we love him because. Watch this now. We love him because, in other words, this is a reaction, not an action. We love him because. Now, watch this. This is the action, this is the reaction. In other words, our love for him is a, come on everybody, it is a, to his, now how, how are you going to love him as a reaction if you don't know how much he loved you? Our number one responsibility, we just said it, our number one responsibility in life, the greatest priority we have is to love God. But our love for God is only a reaction of his love for us. In other words, if you don't know him, you can't love him like you're supposed to. And if you can't love him like you're supposed to, you can't fulfill your number one obligation in life. But the more you know him. Boy, I hope you're getting what I'm putting down. You know, I, I, I thought I loved Tammy when we first met. But after a ton of years, I love her way more than I ever did. You know why? Because I know her way better than I ever have. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Some of y'all are struggling with loving God because you don't know him. You don't know what he means to you. You don't know what he's done for you. You don't have a, you don't have an intimate knowledge of God and God wants you to know him. God wants you to know how much he loves you. God wants you to know what he's got planned for you. God wants you to know him in an intimate way, not a, not a surface knowledge, but a deep intimate knowledge of God. Where are you going to learn that? It ain't going to be in McDonald's. It's going to be at a church where you're coming and learning his word, learning his mind on paper, learning what he has done for you. God wants you to know him. God doesn't want you to know about him. Some of y'all know about him. God wants you to know him and develop a personal walk and relationship and fellowship with him. Church, say amen. Listen, he says in the knowledge of the son of God, you need the church because... God wants his people unified. You need the church because God wants his people to know him. Number three, let's go quickly. Number three, look what it says. We're just all pulling out this verse. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect. Now keep in mind, it's not the way we use the word perfect, meaning no flaws. You know, no flaws, perfect. It's, it's without blemish or without flaws. That's not what it's saying. This word perfect means complete, complete, a finished product. In other words, when you're, when you're, when you're building a Lego man or something and everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be, you're saying it's perfect. It's complete. Nothing else needs to be done to it. 
or if you if you uh, have a a, a sadistic wife like mine and they buy you a toy that you got to put together that takes a Philadelphia lawyer to understand and 42,000 different tools to make. Do I have a witness right there? And you get it all put together and the final product is done. It's just like the picture on the box. Yet you still have stuff left over. Close enough. Amen. No, you're saying it's perfect. It's complete. God doesn't want you to be incomplete. God wants you to be perfect. God wants you to be mature. God wants you to be complete. Watch this now. What does complete look like? What does complete look like? Well, let's see. It says unto a perfect or use the word complete unto a complete man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of. Now watch this. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him who's him and all things, which is the head, even. All right, write this down. Number three, God not only wants his people unified, God wants his people to know him. Now, why does God want his people to know him? Because number three, God wants his people to be like Jesus. In other words, if you were to, you know, you, you ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it used to be fireman, astronaut, you know, policeman or whatever. Uh, in the world we live in today, I don't even want to ask them, amen. But, it, but if you was to ask a Christian, a baby Christian, uh, 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 a, a newborn Christian, or even a seasoned Christian, it doesn't really matter. What do you want to be when you grow up? Everybody should say, Jesus! I want to be Jesus. Because that's what Jesus wants you to be. Are y'all with me? He wants us to be like Jesus. That is the complete man. That is the perfect man, Jesus. He wants us to think like Jesus. He wants us to act like Jesus. He wants us to live like Jesus. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, look here. Romans 13, 14. Read it with me. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Say it with me. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind, meaning the way you think, let this mind be in you, which was also in 1 John 2, 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought also, or excuse me, him ought himself also to, even as he, that means Jesus, by the way, that's who he's talking about here. If you say you're in Christ, you need to walk like Christ. All right. 1 Peter 2, 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Preacher, what are you saying? According to these verses and according to the scripture we're learning, you need the church and the church needs you because God wants you to be like Jesus. And by the way, this is a whole nother sermon, but I'm going to go ahead and throw this in here because some of y'all know it and some of y'all don't. But the, the church, according to scripture, is the body of Christ. According to scripture, Jesus is the head and the church is the. What does the body do? Whatever the head tells it. Are y'all with me? All instructions for the body in its movement, in its activity, in its behavior comes from the Jesus is the head. The church is the now. What does that mean? What is a great way to illustrate that? In other words, the church is to be doing on earth what Jesus did while he was here. And you know what? That's what Jesus will instruct the body to do. Jesus will instruct you to love people like he did. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I do love people. No, you love people that love you. But Jesus loved people that crucified him. Jesus washed the feet of the one who was going to betray him. Jesus, as he was being nailed to a cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You there yet? Jesus said, I... I didn't come to be served. I came to.
to serve and give my life a ransom for many. Hello. Why do we need the church so we can learn to be like Jesus? Not just learn to be like Jesus. It gives us an opportunity. It gives us an opportunity to be Jesus here on this earth. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the reason the church has got such a bad, uh, a bad reputation. You know, you've heard people say, I I like, I like your, your, I like your Jesus, but I don't like the church because the church hadn't been acting a whole lot like Jesus. Well, I tell you what, I, I, I think you're just being a little negative. Okay. Do we have any, do we have any, it could be former or present waiters or waitresses in here that's worked in the, in the, in the restaurant department? Raise your hand real high. Okay. Now, I, I don't, don't nobody else say a word. Don't nobody else say a word. What is the worst day of the entire week to do your job? I can't hear you. Sunday. You know why? Because restaurants are full of church people. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a waiter or waitress and they hate it. Because they are jerks and they don't even tip good. Church people. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure Jesus wouldn't act that way. Now we're living, we're living in a time, we're living in a time where people just can't get help. These, these waiters and waitresses are are just killing themselves, trying to stay up with people. And the worst part about it, we're living in a society because of the last days, it's getting ruder and ruder and, and more violent and more violent and more angry and more angry. There's no civility in life. So they had to put up with that, but it's 10 times worse when it's coming from somebody with a suit on, on Sunday morning. Cause you know where they just come from. I, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I'm a volunteer and be a waiter one day. And I'm going to go in there. When these church people come in, I'm going to say, is that what you learned today? Can I have your pastor's number? Is this how you learn to behave today? What church you go to? Now, if you waiters or waitresses in here need any more tips, just see me after the service. And I'll help you. Let's start acting like Jesus. Hello. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Are y'all some of them people? You better not be. You better be showing grace and patience and mercy and tip good. Well, I just can't afford a tip. Stay home. If you can't afford a tip, don't even be in there. Well, I don't like that. There's 50 other churches on this side of town you can go to. This has got to stop. How are we ever going to reach these people if we're not acting like Jesus? Well, I don't, where are you getting the Jesus tips? How about this? How about this? When he fed the 5,000 till they were full, there were 12 baskets left over. Who, who got the baskets? I believe the disciples did. Because they were the one doing the serving. Well, anyway. That didn't go over good, Brother Doug. <clears throat> Amen. I ain't taking none of it back, though. Listen, God wants his people to be like Jesus. He gave us an example. Listen, number four, number four. Look what it says at verse 14. Now, in verse 13, we see that we need the church so we can have unity. We can be unified around the faith. 
Then we need to know about God. We need to know who God is. God wants us to have unity. God wants his people to know him. God wants his people to be like Jesus. It says that we grow into the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Now watch this reason. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more what? Children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, here's number four. God wants his people protected against deception. God wants his people protected against deception. Listen, there are wolves in sheep's clothing all around. There are wicked, and and the Bible says wicked men will increase even more in the last days. There are people out there that's teaching all kind of garbage. Preacher, what are you saying? How do I know I'm a child? Because one day you'll believe one thing and another day you'll believe another thing. That's what it means to be tossed to and fro. It just depends on whatever teacher's there. If whatever teacher's there is teaching a certain thing, then that's what you believe. If another teacher comes in a different, he's teaching a different thing, then that's what you believe. No, 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 no. You need to get grounded. You need to get firm. You need to know what you believe. Do you know why? You know why the statistic of children growing up in church Children, 77% of all the children that grow up in church, they go to college, and in the very first year, we lose them. We lose them. Why? Because they're going to a liberal institution who is teaching them that there is no God, and because they were not grounded in what they are supposed to believe, they don't have a good biblical foundation underneath them. They just believe whatever they've been told. And let me tell you why the kids ain't getting grounded because the parents ain't grounded. We get them an hour and a half a week. You have them all week long. You've got to know the word. You've got to quit ignoring the Bible. You need to know what you know so that when one day you're going to have to defend what you believe. It can't be. Well, that's because of what the preacher said. That, that holds zero water. Zero. It has no credibility. But if you say, I believe this because over here in this book of the Bible, in this chapter of the Bible, in this verse of the Bible, God said. You see the difference? I don't want to know what you said. I want to know what God says. Now, if the preacher's saying what God says, that's a whole different story. But make sure you can back it up with the book of the Bible, the chapter of the Bible, the verse of the Bible, because your faith needs to rest on the inerrancy of God's holy word, not the preference of a man behind a pulpit. God doesn't want you tossed to and fro. God wants you to believe something. God wants you to believe his word and stand firm in that. Defend the faith. Do you have enough knowledge of the faith to be able to defend it? Well, not really. Well, that's why you need the church. You need to start participating. And not not going to church because it's a ritual that you've always done. You don't need to go out. You don't need to go to church out of habit. You need to go to church out of necessity. Can anybody can anybody realize how bad it's getting out there? As it is increasingly worse out there, you need to do everything you, I heard no preacher say this, you need to come in here and get all you can and can all you get. Do I have a witness? Lastly, lastly, listen, we need to know sound doctrine. We need to know, we need to know and stand on what we believe in. God wants us protected against deception. Paul said in Acts 20, verse 29, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. 
Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Did did you, did you see, did you see what he said to use against the wolves? Look what he says in verse 32. And now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, build you up. Now, why is a wolf so dangerous? Because sometimes they come out from amongst the flock. You see what it says? Also of your own selves shall men arise. Be careful. Second Timothy three, but evil men say with me, but Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being. But continue thou in the things which thou hast what? Learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. What did he learn? That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, we need to know the word. You need to take every opportunity you can to learn the word. Number five, look in verse number, let's see. Verse number 16. God wants his people unified. God wants his people to know him. God wants his people to be like Jesus. God wants his people protected against deception. Can y'all see that? Amen. Amen. Verse 16, from whom the whole body, how much of the body? Whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Number five, God wants his people serving him by serving others. God wants his people serving him by serving others. Let's break this verse down. Let's break this verse down. Now, what is he doing? What is Paul doing in this verse? He's using the human body. He's using the human body as a way to illustrate the body of Christ. Okay. Watch what he says. From whom the whole body, whole body. Now, this is... This is one, right? This is one body. But the one body has many what? Many members or many parts. Got fingers, got eyes, I've got ears, I've got legs, toes. Y'all with me? Now, what he is saying here in this first part is God fit it all together. Man, God knew what he was doing, didn't he? He gave us something to hear with. He gave us something to see with. He gave us something to speak with. I'm, I'm questioning that. Say amen. But he gave us fingers to grip with. He gave us legs to walk with. He gave us a brain to think with. He fit it all together. Now, now, that means that if you're in this body, God put you here. Because you fit. Come on now, because you fit. If you don't fit, this is not the body you're supposed to be in. But if you're in this body, that means you, you fit. Watch this. Watch this. First Corinthians 12, 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, then where were the hearing? In other words, if everything was an eye, we wouldn't be able to hear. If the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? Watch this. But now hath God, who? God God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath. You know why God put you here? Because you fit. God developed you. 
God created you a new creature in Christ. God gave you gifts. God gave you talents to be put into this body. You fit perfectly here. But God did not fit you here so you could sit and do nothing. What if, the, what if your eyes, what if you woke up this morning and your eyes said, I'm taking off today. Preacher, that's silly. It is silly. But what if that happened? What if your eyes just said, I'm not, a, I'm not in the mood today. I'm not going to see today. You would be severely handicapped. Can your fingers see for you? Can your ears see for you? Can your toes see for you? You know what that means? That means you're out of seeing for the day. Let me illustrate that. God gave you something and placed and fit you here, placed you here as it has pleased him. He did it. He put you here. And if you don't do what he's gifted you to do here, if you just sit and don't serve, don't get involved, don't participate. Guess what? Then we're, we're missing something. You know what I used to say? I used to say this because until I really seen the truth of this. I used to say, then somebody else has to make up for your lack. Guess what? According to this, they can't make up for your lack because the ear don't have the ability to see. The nose don't have the ability to see. And other people don't have the giftings that God has given you to use in this body. And if you don't use the body as handicapped, missing what only you can do. Why do you need the church and the church needs you? Because God has given you a place. He has placed you. He has fit you here. Now watch. Well, I just don't think they need what I have to offer. Well, let's see what the verse says. From whom the. Oh, y'all mad big now. Uh Come on. Verse 16. From whom the. How much of the body? What's whole mean? All of us. That's pretty, that's plain English, right? Okay. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which? How many joints? Every joint supplied. According to the effectual working in the measure of? So who all was supposed to be involved in this church? Galatians chapter 5 verse verse 13. We're having fun, ain't we? Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Mark ten forty two. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your... That word minister means servant. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be... Servant of all. Romans twelve ten. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful, that means lazy. Not slothful or lazy in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. There's two, there's, there's, in, in these verses, there's a word that stood out. Actually two that stood out. Love and serve. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Y'all do that every time. Look at me. If we're not willing to serve, that means we're not loving. Now, let me help you with something. In that great command, he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul. And all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the, he didn't stop. And the second is as the first. Love your, as yourself. So if we want to interpret that, if we want to interpret it, everybody look at me. I'm, I'm wrapping it up right here. I'm wrapping it up. I know you're getting a little antsy. It's getting close to time to leave. But look at me. We are to love God with everything that we have. We can't do that unless we know him. And the place you learn about him is in God's house. 
But the Bible says we're to love others. We're not only to love him, but we're to love others. And when we love others, we will have a desire to do what? Serve. Most, most mothers are grandmothers. You call them, you can come in late from in town. You call them, Granny, I sure am hungry. First thing she's going to do is snatch out everything in the cupboard and go to cooking. You know why? She loves that one. And it is not even a problem. It is not even an issue. They want to do it. And they can't wait to get in there and see you eating. They can't wait to serve you because they love you. I, I don't, I don't do what I do because I have to. I do what I do because I want to. Service always has to stem from love. Now, now watch. I'm over time, but I got to, I got to get this. I got to get this out. You remember, you remember in the the church of Ephesus, the first letter that that was written in, in revelation chapter number two. And, 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 and Jesus is going down the list of all the things they're doing right. They're laboring. They're toiling. I'm talking about they're working hard. They're not putting up with sin. They're doing all this stuff. But then he says this, but I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Now this was such a big deal to God. That it was not just what they were doing, but why they were doing it. Their motivation was gone. They were doing it out of obligation and not adoration. And he said, you need to remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do thy first works, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. That means I'm going to remove the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you remove the presence of the Holy Spirit, you remove the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that big a deal. And you know what God knows? If you're not serving and your motivation's love, you're not going to serve long. If your motivation to serve is not love, you're going to get fatigued in your service and you're going to quit. But I'm going to tell you, when you love that one you're serving, it'll, it'll, it'll give you the strength and the power to serve through the most difficult circumstances of life. And all God's people say it. Amen. Say this with me. I need the church. And the church needs me. We need you. You need us. And we need you. Because one of y'all is an ear. One of you is an eye. One of you is a toe. So what? I don't want to be the toe. Well, you, you cut off a toe. You got to learn how to walk again. That's an important part. You don't think it's important? Stub it in the middle of the night when you go to the bathroom. Amen.